Thank you, Father, for who you are and what you have done for us. We are grateful that we can call upon you and that you've invited us to be a part of your life and your family. Now use your word, words that I speak to bring honor to you, because you are the Father who art in heaven. In Jesus' name. Simon and team, we appreciate that very much. I've got our little happy guy. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of getting tired of that guy, you know, after nine weeks of seeing him. But man, he's just so excited. He's excited to wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. So glad. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Hey, so now um, to get into the drawing, see, this is, you know, when the women do it, they get really nice bags. We just put them in a Walmart bag. Okay, this is men. This is men right here. Okay, so there's a three fifty dollar. I think they're Texas Roadhouse cards, right, Kay? All right, and and they'll work. They'll be good for you, but you have to fill out that card and you have to put a prayer request on it. Now, I, I will remind you that when the women did this, I, I know theirs was for a trip to Hawaii. I remember that. I understand that, right? But I think we had over ninety cards from the ladies, guys. So the competition has now begun. We like competition, guys. So, you know, not throwing any guilt or shame out there, but, uh, you know, we need to, we need to you know, wrap this thing up and get going, right? So take the time to do that. We want to pray for you. This is really that important. It's more, it's more than the drawing, of course. It's an opportunity for you to tell us how we can pray for you. So take the time to do that. And we would love to have that opportunity. It's a little bit difficult on whoever's typing them up this week. Nicole is, okay, when she has 90, it takes a long time. But she's more than willing to do that because we want to pray for you. So take the time to do that. Guys, thank you. Happy Father's Day. And, and everybody, every man can participate in the drawing. Don't have to be a father. Every man can participate in that drawing. All right? So I see you reaching for those cards right now. That is really good. All right. So while you're doing that, um, give you a little spoiler alert about the sermon. This is not going to be your typical Father's Day sermon. We're not going to beat you over the head, okay? Isn't that what they usually do on Father's Day? You need to do this. No, but we are going to talk about a difficult topic today because it's in the passage. And it is the topic of grief. You'll remember last week we said that Ruth is a story about goodness, grief, grace, and guidance. Maybe bigger than that. But those four things we can see throughout the book of Ruth. And today, where we are in these first few verses, we're going to look at the topic of grief. I know it's not easy to talk about. The topic of death is not easy to talk about. And it might make you a little uncomfortable. And I, I hope that you'll stay with me. If, if it becomes too uncomfortable, feel free, I, I mean this, feel free to, to leave. I don't want you to do that, but I know it's not easy to talk about. Believe me, it's not easy to preach about either. But I think that if you'll stay with me, we'll grow together. We will help ourselves out because it's in the text. It's right here in the book of Ruth. 
So while you're preparing for that, let me ask you, the weekly challenge was to read the book of Ruth. And many of you did it Sunday morning when I was reading it for you. <laughs> you got a good start, but how many did it? How many got through the book of Ruth this week? All right. Well, at least you've got something to work on this week. <laughs> Take the time to do that. This is God's Word, precious, holy, inspired, inerrant, accurate, historical. Take the time to saturate yourself in God's Word this week. It only takes you about 12 to 15 minutes. If you're a speed reader, you might be able to do it in 10, right? But get through it. Understand this book and read through it. It'll make a difference in your life. So here we go. I'll at least read a few verses before you get you started this week. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabat wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malan and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So we'll stop there as we get into what God has done for us. You'll remember that as I went through this, I gave you a little plot line, a storyline of the book. Here's what I put together. A need brings a move. The move brings death. The deaths bring a move. The move brings help. The help brings marriage. The marriage brings a child. The child brings a king, and through the king comes Jesus. That's the storyline of the book of Ruth. Now, I've had a number of comments come back to me about people telling me this is my favorite book or this is my second favorite book, and we really love this book. Now, I, I hope I can meet your expectations going through the book of Ruth because some of you, you've got I mean, this is one of your favorite books. I'm going to do my best to, to present it well. But that's the plot line. That's the storyline as we go through the book of Ruth. And today we talk about the move. Because there was a need, and they needed to move. There's no food in the house of bread in Bethlehem. There's no food for them. And so they go to Moab, as I said last week, that, you know, topography-wise, I wouldn't anticipate that would be the place to go get bread. Right? Here's a little map. Let's get a map of where Moab is, just in case you need to see it here. Okay? You can look over here. You can see it best. We're, we're working on getting our projectors redone, Okay? Pastor Simon's working on that for us. But you can see Moab there to the east of the Dead Sea. Bethlehem just on the west side of the, the Dead Sea there. So they go into the land of Moab, which obviously is probably like here. Semi-arid, difficult place, but God has allowed there to be food there for them, although there's not food in Bethlehem, what we know as the house of bread. The move, and that move, brings the death. Elimelech, she has Malan and Chilion, they marry Ruth or Ruth and Orpah, and then they pass away, they die. Not just one death, not two deaths, three deaths. And in that, 
there's an even greater death, and that's the death of hope and of a future. Because she doesn't have the ability to go on with those that would give her that inheritance, with those that would make possible this future for her and for her family. So I say this to begin with. Death stinks. Death stinks. We don't know the circumstances surrounding Elimelech and Malan and Chilean's deaths, but we know this, that Naomi experienced the sting of death three times. Now, as we think about death, I made this statement up. Death almost always takes one by surprise, even though the death may not be a surprise. You know it's coming, but when it comes, you're taken back by how it stings you. The initial minutes and hours and days and weeks and possibly even months are harder than you imagined, even though you are anticipating the loss. And if it's a sudden death, it's magnified many, many no chance to hug or kiss or say goodbye or thank you or to tell your loved one how much you love them. Many of you know what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? He's saying there isn't a sting once you know Jesus. But humanly, there is a sting to death. Whether you know it's coming or it's sudden. But I know this. I know the Father will continue to provide His healing touch for you in the grief that you have experienced. I know the Father will provide His healing touch for you as you've experienced the sting of death. Death doesn't just sting, it leaves us with grief. I would think that Naomi quite possibly experienced grief when she had to move from Bethlehem to Moab. They leave family, they leave friends to go and to be able to provide for their family. There's that sense of grief that comes through that, leaving family in a move. I, I remember when I left Denver to go to Amarillo, Texas, to become a Texan for seven years. <laughs> I remember walking, taking my brother to the airport. I'm 23, I'm single. I remember taking him to the airport to have him fly back to Denver. And I remember walking out of that, out of the airport facility there to my car, and I remember just saying this, 
Well, Lord, it's just you and me now. Because I left behind my family, my friends. And I recognize that I had just a few friends, maybe the search committee at this church that I had met. But it's in a new world now, and I needed the Lord's help, the Father's help during that time. And many of you have experienced that. You know what that's like. You've had to move in some way, and, or you've wanted to move, and you move, and it's, it's difficult to come into those places, and it's difficult to make new friends. It's difficult to come to a church and make new friends, isn't it? It's hard. You know that. And I know, I, I, I'm assuming that Naomi had to have some grief in that because there's a loss there. Now, maybe, maybe she had journeyed through that grief when she's hit in the gut with now the loss of the men in her life. First her, her husband and then her two sons. And it appears from verse 4, and when it says they took Moabite wives, the name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth, they lived there about ten years and, and both Malon and Chilion died. So it appears to me, just looking at kind of chronological, that it was that it was at least ten years between after Elamelech's death that her sons died. And we can imagine the profound grief that a Naomi has now, losing the last of the men in her life, that the hope and the future are, are now gone. Now, of course, Elimelech and Malon and Chilion, you're glad you're not preaching, right? Of course, they could have died in Bethlehem. If they'd have stayed there, they could have died there. But now their deaths take place in Moab, where they're not around family. And we know that heightens grief. There's nobody else there around them to be able to take care of them and to speak into their lives and to come and to comfort them. Some of you, you know the grief of losing a husband or a wife. All the years living together, under this beautiful covenant for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish till death do us part you lived under that beautiful covenant that commitment that you made to one another and, and then that one that you loved and cared for is taken I know this, that the Father, I know this, that the Father in heaven will continue to provide his healing presence for the grief that you've experienced. He will continue to provide his healing presence as the Father for the grief that you have experienced. And some of you know the loss of a son or a daughter. As has been said, we're, we're not supposed to bury them first. They're not supposed to go before us. They're supposed to bury us. 
But that isn't the case. That wasn't the case for you. And how difficult, difficult that must be. But I know this. The Father will continue to grant you His comforting presence in the grief that you have experienced. You can count on His presence because He is the Heavenly Father. And now for all of us as adults, I'm sure we've all lost someone important in our lives. Grandparents, aunts and uncles, or friends. And as we know, unfortunately, the losses don't decrease as we get older. They increase, and sometimes it feels like those losses even multiply. As our church grows older, the loss of our friends will increase. But I know this. The Father will continue to provide His comforting presence for the grief that we have experienced. He will continue to do that because He is the Father. Solomon stated it very bluntly but accurately in Ecclesiastes 3.2. There is a time to be born and there is a time to die. Hebrews 9.27 tells us that. For it's destined to man to die once and then to face the judgment. And we know where that death comes from. Because as it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Paul says further as he goes on, as he writes that book, he says, for the wages of sin is death. This is what's going to result because of Adam's sin, but also our own sin. And we don't like that thought, but it's true. This is the way it is. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, many years ago, put together, as she was thinking through all this, the, the five stages of grief. Many of you know these grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. They're part of a framework that makes up our learning to live with the one that we lost. I remind you of this. Grief is a journey. Grief is a journey, but that journey is different for everyone. So that means that, that we need to be sympathetic and, and empathetic to the journey our friends are going through. We can't just say, get over it, because you don't. Get over it. It stays with you. 
It's a part of who we are as we process through this journey of grief. And you know it. You know that. And it's different for, for a husband and a wife. It's different. Some move along very fast. Some, it takes many, many months and even years just to process and to keep moving forward. So we know that as God has gifted us, let us be kind and compassionate as each person works through this aspect of grief that is so difficult to go through. Grief can also include guilt. Did I do all I could do? Did I do enough? What could I have done differently? How do I honor my loved one? Etc. Etc. Please let me hear me close, quick, hear me clearly. Don't let the thoughts of guilt erase the thoughts of joy that are yours from that relationship the Lord allowed you to have. Don't let those thoughts of guilt, oh, I erase those thoughts of joy that you have from that relationship that is so precious. I know this. The Father will continue to extend his comforting presence to you in the midst of the grief you experienced. And let me take a moment and say this. Make sure you know the Father. That you know Jesus is a part of your life, has given you a relationship with him. He wants to minister. He wants to serve you. But you've got to know Him as your Savior. He's the one who died on the cross for you, as we sang earlier. You'll never know how much it cost for your sins to be on the cross. Because He loved you so much, He sent Jesus to make possible a relationship with Him. Cross over, walk on that bridge, the cross of Christ, to go from death into life. Cross over that so that you know the Father and have a relationship with Him. The simplest of the ABCs, as we tell you all the time, just admit to God you're a sinner, because you are. Scripture says we are. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. And then confess your faith in Him. Invite Him to be a part of your life. Choose Him. Connect with Him by inviting Him to be a part of your life. Don't miss Him, because He wants to do His work in your life when you have relationship with Him. Does death sting? Say yes. Yeah. Does death bring grief? Yeah. Yeah. Death brings grief. It's difficult and it's hard. And death, as even we look at this passage, leaves us with decisions. Naomi has to make decisions that are part of her life. So it doesn't say that, but we know that she does, that she's living there in Moab, and then she arose with her daughters-in-law in verse 6 to return from the country of Moab. She had to make a decision. 
about is she going to stay in Moab? Is she going to go back to Bethlehem and the place of her family before her? And when death comes, we know that there's we know that there's there are those immediate decisions that we have to make about cremation or burial, services or no services, financial matters, possessions. As I counsel people as I go through and walk through this journey of, of death and grief with them, I, I remind them of two very practical things when death comes and it's upon you and you're trying to work through those things too, is drink lots of water because you are using a lot of emotional energy. And a very practical one, keep your cell phone charged up because you're making lots of phone calls, you're texting lots of people, you're connecting with them and you're letting them know what has taken place. And those are just some practical things that we have to work through as we go through the, this loss and, and the immediacy of that. But there are also the future decisions, the later decisions that need to be made, like Naomi had to make, whether to move or to stay, how to remain connected with, with in-laws and friends, the financial things, houses, cars, investments, and new relationships. On August 21st, coming up, we're going to have a wills and trusts seminar here at the church. Doug Laurie from Colorado Baptist is going to come down here and do a wills and trusts seminar. We want to help you think through the aspects of, one, your death and grief and how to handle those decisions that are before you. He'll be preaching in the morning time and then we'll gather together and we'll have a seminar in the afternoon and we'll help you take care of some of the things that, that you should take care of because as I say in every funeral that I do, every memorial service, listen, you don't know when your death is going to come so be prepared for it. Have a will. Have your medical directives. Let people know what your passwords are. Because you're going to make life a lot easier for them when you're gone. And they're going to be searching and trying to figure out how to go for it. You can help them out immensely if you'll take care of those things. Do it for them. Do it for those you love you care for. Help them with those decisions they will have to make, let alone decisions that you would have to make. Naomi makes the decision to return home to Bethlehem. She also has to make a decision about her relationship with Ruth and Orpah and whether they would go with her. It's not in the text, but you know she has to do this. She's working through this. What am I supposed to do? And how do I handle my daughter-in-law? They're from Moab. Are they going to go back with me? And then she offers to them, in some way, she offers to them to go back with him. Notice in verse 6, where she hears the news that helps her make her decision. Johnny Dasher in our Thursday morning men's group pointed this out to us. Notice where she hears the news. For she heard, in verse 6, for she heard in the fields of Moab. For she heard in the fields of Moab. This is kind of where I think that, that tells me. It appears that she's seeking to, to be busy, seeking to provide for herself and her family during this time. And I think a good principle in grief is to stay busy with what needs to be done. Yes, you'll experience the ups and the downs and the waves of grief, but take the necessary steps to move forward. They don't have to be big. 
They just have to be those steps you're taking forward. Whatever the necessary steps are to go forward, keep taking them. And what did she hear in the fields as we go on in that verse? That the Lord had visited his people and given them food. The house of bread now has bread. Bethlehem now has bread. Some at least ten years later, the Lord is, she's hearing the Lord. She hears it in the fields. Somebody communicates with her. You could go back because the famine is over. There are now bread in Bethlehem. The Father's, the Father's gracious provision is now back there for her. His goodness is being demonstrated to her. The Father provided for them in a move to Moab, and now he's going to provide for them again, moving back to Bethlehem. You see, when, when you're faced with those difficult decisions in grief, and when I'm faced with those decisions in, in grief, those difficult decisions, we need to ask for the Father's help. Our Father in heaven, the Lord's Prayer begins. And what does it say down about, you know, fourth or fifth line? Give us this day, what? Our daily bread. Lord, I need your provision. I need your help. We need your help. Ask. Ask for the Father's help. He wants to be the provider for you and for me. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all men generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. Sorry, you didn't know the rest of that. If you lack wisdom, ask God, and guess what he's going to do? What? He's going to give it to you. Wow, isn't that amazing? <laughs> hmm. You see, we need to those times we need to read and repeat the promises of God. Go back to those promises. See where He's been faithful and gracious and provides. And rest on those and read those promises and repeat those promises. God, you said this is what you would do. And if He said this is what He will do, He will do it. Ask for his help. Read those promises and saturate yourself in those promises. Romans 8.15 calls the Father what? Abba. Papa. Daddy. The one with this relationship with us. That's who he is. As he provides his healing touch and his comforting presence, we know this, that the Father will also provide his faithful direction in the grief that you have experienced. He promises to do that 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Dave. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways, right? And what will He do? He will direct your paths. He will make your way straight. Not us ups and downs too, because that's life. But He will make a way. As I thought about this sermon, I know at this point it's difficult. I understand it's hard. It's like I've got to, I got to, I got to leave you, leave you with some hope. <laughs> the last is this: death can leave us with growth. Death can leave us with growth. We know that growth in grief is not automatic, nor is it immediate. We have to be open to and pursue growth. Darkness tends to bring forth more darkness, while light tends to bring forth more light when we go through grief. So work to live in the light of the Father each day. So how can we grow through grief and death? Well, just think personally how, how you can grow through this time. One, it can cause this, and we've heard this numerous times, and we go through our Grief Share class, that, that it can cause us to depend on the Father like we've never depended on Him ever. It's drawn us to the Father. It's pushed us to the Father. It's moved us to the Father in a way we've never, ever been moved before because we really, really, really need Him. Not that we didn't before, but right now, I really, really need you. Grief and death can help us to learn to depend on others better because we really need them. We don't have that person, that individual, and we need a broader spectrum of people to be involved in our lives. We can learn to be more sympathetic and empathetic to those going through loss as we've experienced it our own self. When I was 27 and I lost my father, who was 54 years old, it moved me to try to better understand and I know what it's like to lose my father at a young age. And it's moved me to be more kind and gracious and empathetic through the years because I know what it feels like. And you know what it feels like too. It can help you to be more considerate and kind and move into their lives in the ways that are important and valuable. Personally, we can grow, but, but we can help others grow through it too. We can help them journey through their grief. We can help them learn dependence on the Lord and others. One of the keys of working through grief, one of the best ways to minimize grief, it doesn't go away, to minimize grief is to serve and be generous. To, to keep our eyes on the Lord and to keep our eyes on other people, to help them in their needs. And it, it, takes, the, the, it takes eyes off of us somewhat when we serve one another we're generous to one another. So those are some ways we can grow as we grow through grief. 
Russian writer Leo Tolstoy, I saw this quote this week, just like God to do that. He says this, if you feel pain, you're alive. Right? If you feel pain, you're alive. If you feel other people's pain, you're a human being. You care. And you have, you've ministered. I've watched you in the 20 years I've been here. I've watched you minister to one another as death takes place, as people go through grief. I've watched you do that so well. Continue to do it. Reach out. Love and care with one another. When Jesus was with his disciples, those last moments before his death, that high priestly prayer, high priestly conversation he has with them and, and with he's with them washing their feet and he tells them to love one another and don't be troubled. You need to believe in God, you believe in me. And he goes through all that. In, in John chapter 16, he, he makes a statement talking about his death and how it's going to impact the disciples and then how it's going to change when he comes back. But I think he's also referring to the fact that he's going to be gone after the resurrection. He's going to be taking off. He's going back to heaven. And he had to go to heaven. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to have this personal ministry. This very personal ministry. And he says this to his disciples. And this can be true for you and for me too in the midst of grief. He said, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. It wasn't easy. You can imagine how hard it was for those disciples to see their friend. They spent three and a half years together, not just Sundays together, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They spent all this time together. You can imagine how hard it was for them to know and to try to picture up, and then he's dead, he's gone, and then their sorrow turns to joy, but then it's going to change again because he's going to leave again and be gone permanently. He says, your sorrow can turn into joy. I know this. The Father will continue to provide His timely growth through your grief that you've experienced. The Father, if you're open to it, He will provide His timely growth for you as you go through your grief. We have a ministry that you could participate in that would be helpful to you for all of us. It's called Grief Share. We offer it a couple times a year. We offer a surviving the holidays, usually like a two or three hour session. Also, the loss of a spouse. We offer that just a, an afternoon together. This is about a 13-week course. You can come in and out of it. You don't have to make every session. But this is really helpful. It would be really helpful for all of us to go through it. Because, I can guarantee this, we all will experience death and loss and grief. And you could be better prepared to help yourself and to help others if you take this course. We have a little tickets out here that have information about that you can go to thegriefshort.org and you can get a daily email that's written by people who have been through grief, 
have experienced it, have taught on it, counselors, pastors, and you could sign up for that and it would be extremely helpful for you. And a number of you have been through that. You, you've taken this course and, and you've got these daily emails and you'll find out how they can be helpful to you as you go through your grief and the loss that happens in your life. I'd encourage you, we'll start up again in September. We have done some of these classes with Zoom and also in person and found that it can be done that way, obviously best if in person, but I'd encourage you to, to look into that and be a part of it. Let me put it all together for you, and then I'll finish. The Father will continue to provide His healing touch, His comforting presence, His faithful direction, and His timely growth in whatever grief you have experienced. I know He will. Because He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Trust Him. Believe Him in that. I came across this this week. It's called The Father's Letter. And each line is supported by Scripture. I'm not going to read that Scripture. I'd be glad to email this to you if you'd like to have a copy of it. But listen to what your Father says to you as His child. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in my mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. It is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than any earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as, as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop good, doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you. I, I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of my heart, of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. 
When you're brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I will take away all the pain you've suffered on earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus my love is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And I will and I'll tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Love. Your dad. Your Abba. Your almighty God. The I am is holding on to you. Father, you are the I am. And you are holding on to us. In the midst of death and grief, in the midst of birth and joy, you are Father, help us to hold on to you. For that's what children do. Thank you for being the one we can go to anytime, all the time, and every time. Father, extend your healing touch, your comforting presence, your faithful direction and your timely growth to my friends and your children as they work and journey through grief. Thank you that you did that for Ruth and for Naomi. And you know, do it for each person here because you are the loving Meet the need right now. Your kindness and your goodness and your grace. And thank you for what you'll provide in Jesus' name.